Well, good morning, Harmony Hill Baptist Church. How we doing? Good. Okay. My name is Andre Rose. Like uh, Kyle introduced earlier, I had the privilege of leading over the course of this weekend with the students uh, for our Disciple Now. And I will just say uh, the Lord was moving in some really powerful ways on Friday and Saturday. And so uh, my heart was full. And, and you would just be pleased to know uh, that God is doing some really significant things, not only in the student ministry, but in this church. I mean, I was so deeply, deeply served uh, by so many of you over the course of this weekend. Uh, and it was just such a blessing uh, to be able to gather and also uh, to be able to be with you this morning. And so uh, I'll tell you just a little bit about myself. Like Kyle said, uh, I originally uh, from Georgia. So uh, if any Georgia people in the house, what's up? Uh, I grew up uh, there and then I've currently been living in Denton for the last 10 years or so. Uh, my wife and I, we have two daughters, an eight-month-old and a three-year-old, Zola and uh, Jojo. Um, Zola is uh, Zozo for short, and then Jojo is Josephine, you know, long away. And, uh, two girls, and so I'm just going to buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride as we, as we go. Uh, the other thing I want to draw attention to, Kyle did too, but this bear uh, and, and fruit, uh, when I showed up over the course of the weekend, I was surprised to see this bear. And, and I asked the person who brought it, they were like, yeah, just my friend just brought the bear. And I was like, y'all have people who just have bears in your houses? And then I learned that y'all actually release bears here in East Texas now to apparently grow the bear population. So once I give this good word, me and my sweet Honda are going to head back to Denton and I will see you guys. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're in very protected places. Uh, well, if this is your first time here, I want you to know just how glad we are to have you in the house, to welcome you uh, to this church. What a joy it is uh, to be with you. And, uh, and so we'll dive right in. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John, uh, John chapter 15 to be exact. That is what we talked about over the course uh, of the weekend. And we talked about in the book of John bearing fruit, which is why there's also a pineapple that this bear is clutching uh, in its hands. And, and as we talk about bearing fruit, my hope for us this morning uh, is to do a, a high-level overview of what we talked about over the weekend, but then also to help bring this idea, this reality of bearing fruit uh, to you. Now, before I dive into the text, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to tell you that I like feedback, okay? So if I say something good, you can hit me with an amen. Let's just try to then I count three. Amen, one, two, three. Uh, that's good. One, two, three. All right. I, I feel good about that. If that makes you feel weird, that's okay. Uh, but it's going to make me feel great. So uh, please help me. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, the second thing, uh, or not, uh, the, the second thing, though, uh, is um, as, I, as I walk through this, uh, my hope would be uh, that the Lord would minister you greatly. We're not going to go through every single verse in John chapter 15. I simply do not have the time for that. Uh, but what I do want to do is, as we move through it, hopefully encourage you in God's Word. And so um, let's do that. I want to tell you a, a, a brief little thing about me as I think about uh, my life in that uh, my wife and I, we bought a house four years ago in Denton uh, before the market went completely ridiculous and buying houses seems completely out of reach. But uh, we bought a house four years ago and my house is nestled in between two of my neighbors. Uh, one of my neighbors has won uh, best lawn of the year for the last like three years. And then my other neighbor, their lawn is pretty, pretty immaculate. So you've got to imagine, I don't want to be that guy. Right? 
I don't want to be the guy that the neighbors walk out and like, check out that guy's yard, you know, like he didn't know what he's doing. And so uh, I, I decided to, to get into a hobby uh, over these last four years, and that hobby is gardening. Anybody, any gardeners in the house? Anybody just love getting in the ground and just digging up dirt? Well, well four years ago, I, I discovered that I, I actually quite enjoy it. Four years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. So I knew that I wanted to grow some things in, in, in a garden. I wanted to grow some plants. And so uh, I went on the Googles. And uh, no, they don't call it the Googles, but I went to Google. And, and I researched, like, growing things uh, because I had read this book called Humble Roots. And it inspired me to, to kind of get into it. And my neighbors are not wanting to be that guy. And, and so I looked up, like, annuals and perennials and how they grow and where they grow and full sun and partial sun and full shade and all these things. Uh, and so I went to Home Depot and I bought a bag of mulch and I realized I needed to buy a bag of soil first. So I took the mulch back, but then I went and bought that same bag of mulch. And anyway, you just, this is how this goes for me. It's like I go all in and I don't know what I'm doing. And then I settled on a particular plant that I wanted to plant though. And that plant was a hydrangea. Anybody love hydrangeas? Like when those things bloom, they are so magnificent. They're just so beautiful. Not to mention, my wife loves them, so I can always be like, hey, babe, I brought you flowers. And she'll be like, did you just get those out of the front yard? Yes, I did. <laughs> but I thought about you, you know. Uh, and so, so we're, we're in the house. I decide to plant uh, these hydrangeas. I, I bought some from Home Depot, like plants, and I put them in the ground. Um, and, and I planted them, and they were there. Now, I didn't do much work. I literally just took the plant and dug a hole and covered it up. And then I just began to hope and wait and see if I could keep these things alive. And I don't know if you guys remember the great freeze of 2021, but I did. And so did my hydrangeas. Because uh, the temperatures got down to degrees that they should not be in the state of Texas. I do not live in Michigan. I do not live in Indiana. I live in Texas. Why is it negative 15 outside? And I remember being so concerned, not about my kids, but about my plants. <laughs> And I went outside, and I looked at them, and I know it was the wintertime, so of course, you know, the leaves had fallen off, but they were just sticks, y'all. They were sticks, and, and I was so worried because I, I wanted these things to survive. And I wonder, though, right, when you think about these plants that are in the ground, these hydrangeas that I'm talking about, I wonder if that's not how God thinks about you and I in the context of John chapter 15. That if God is the master gardener and we are plants that he's tending to, is God concerned about you and about me when the freezes and the hardships of life come and he's maybe hoping and, and waiting to see if you're going to hang on and survive? Well, in the context of John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is going to be talking to his disciples. And as we get to it, he's going to begin to share with us, uh, as he's sharing with his disciples, what God intends to give us in relation to this. And so if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 15, you can also follow along in the bulletin. As, as I move through some points, you'll be able to take notes and all those things as we go through this. Then in John chapter 15, my first point, as we'll see here, is this, is that when we, when we abide in Christ, we open ourselves up to all that God has for us. When we abide in Christ, we open ourselves up to all that God has for us. John 15, starting in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. 
Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Uh, Jesus uh, is telling his disciples some really profound things here. Carrying that gardener metaphor, he says, Hey, God, my Father is the gardener, and I am the vine, and you're the branches. He wants them to get it so much, he says it again, literally three verses down. He says, remember, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so what are we? Thank you. Okay, we're branches. Okay, you're with me. Okay, just making sure we're all picking up. And who's the vine? Okay, great. Yeah, Jesus got it. You know, one of the same. Anyway. Um, and so what, what is he trying to say? Well, he's saying that when we abide in Christ, when we as branches belong to the vine, we can produce fruit. Because Jesus knows that he's going to go do a work and the disciples are going to get to carry the work that Jesus Christ has started without him. And he wants them to understand through whom the source of your work continues, through whom the source of your fruit uh, producing comes through. And he says something significant, though, in verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. But every branch that produces fruit so that it would produce more fruit, he prunes. You see, if we read this too fast, we'll pass over the fact that God the master gardener, when he approaches his plant, has a big pair of scissors to do some cutting. Because I did learn this about planting things. It's that if there are dead things on the plant that you do not cut away, the plant thinks it needs to give energy to the dead thing. And the plant will die. But also, if the plant is producing good things and you wanted to produce more things, you actually have to cut back the places so that it can give life to the branches of the vine to produce more. It involves cutting. See, in, in our lives, friends, in our lives, we, as we uh, sit underneath the master gardener that is God, he is evaluating and looking at our lives and determining, are we branches that need pruning or are we branches that are going to be cut off? Are we branches by a profession of faith that belong in Christ so that we produce more fruit? Or are we those that are killing the vine? You see, cutting hurts. But I just want to be the one that's pruned so that I can make more fruit. And as I think about my life, I know that there are areas in my life where I'm like, oh Lord, don't touch that. God's like, hey, I want to make you more fruitful. Let me, let, me, let me cut that away from you. Because if we don't open ourselves up to the pruning of the Lord, if we don't let him into those places in our lives that are, are very tender for him to provide care for, we will all too quickly find ourselves in a place where God's going, are you in me? Are you connected to the vine? And so as we think about producing fruit, it's painful to produce fruit because it invites God into our mess and into our stuff. And yet, he says, the one who remains in me, this is verse 5, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much 
fruit because you can do nothing without me. And that part, you can do nothing without me, is going to be a, a thread that kind of gets pulled through. Uh, and so just re remember that. But I wonder then, as we think about abiding in Christ, what, what does that typically look like in the life of someone who would say, I'm a Christ follower, someone who would say, I'm a believer? What does abiding in Christ look like? Well, I created this wonderful acronym, ABIDE, and I got, you know, words that go uh, with each of them. So if you have your uh, bulletin in front of you, you can follow along in this way. But we bear fruit when we do the following. First, we acknowledge our place. So we got to remember who we are. And we are, this is where you insert who we are. And we are, I need you to help me out today. We are, okay, great. And God is the gardener. That's right, the vine, the gardener. And, and our place, our place is God is here and we're here, right? And maybe furthermore, we might be like off the stage down on the ground here. You know what I'm saying? When we acknowledge our place, we don't ever forget the position that God has in our life. We don't ever think that we can be too far removed from allowing God to enter in to the stuff in our world. The second, it's the title, but it's to bear fruit as you follow Christ. So as we follow Christ, we, we find places in our lives to bear fruit. Uh, one example that I want to give you is, is with Natalie and her team as they use the gifts that God has given them, which we can we celebrate them and their work as they just led us to the Lord in singing and in song this morning. Like they're bearing fruit as they're following God. Now, you don't necessarily have to be a musician to bear fruit, but in the ways that God has gifted you, bear fruit. We invite him to prune us. Instead of resisting, instead of hiding, why don't we just open ourselves up and say, Lord, what are the areas in my life? Lord, where are the places in my life? Lord, where are the relationships in my life where I need you to come and be so tender, though, and prune them away from me? Dwell on his word. And when we do that, we can experience his love and joy. I was telling the students over the weekend that life is hard. And for middle school and high schoolers, life is hard. But I tell them, hey, keep on living because it gets harder. Amen? It's like, and at, at, at my age, it's like, Andre, you keep on living, right? For some of you in the room, it's like, it's hard. But in that, in life being so hard, for so many of us, we can get so bogged down in the difficulties of our day. And yet, we need to remember that we're just in Christ and he has love and joy for us to experience. And so part of my practice, uh, oftentimes when I remember, it's just to wake up and, and celebrate the fact that I'm in Christ and it's another day that I get to live. And you know what? My world literally might be on fire. But I'm in Christ. Colossians 3.1 says, If then we've been raised with Christ. Seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we know this uh, because our eternal perspective needs to be what's before us. If we're in Christ, yes, we live here on this earth. Yes, we, are, we have jobs, we have relationships and all the things. And yet at the end of the day, we're sowing seed for eternity. And how, far, like, how often do we forget that when we get so caught up in the things of our life that we forget, man, let me stop. And let me acknowledge that I'm in Christ. What a gift it is to be in Christ. And Lord, I know that 
that you're with me. I don't know how the situation's going to turn out. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I do know that you're with me. And that is good enough. When we abide in Christ, when we realize that we have this eternal perspective and how we live, it then plays out in how we interact one unto another. And we're going to see this in John chapter 15. It's my second point, though. If we are branches connected to the vine that is Christ with the gardener that is God who's doing all the work, there's a response then. And that response is as branches connected to the vine that is Christ, we reflect the love that Christ has to those around you. That as branches connected to the vine that is Christ, we reflect the love that Christ has for you to those around you. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends. I love what Jesus says here. He, he, he gives them this, this, this picture of abiding in Christ as a vine is connected uh, to the gardener and the branches are connected to the vine. And then he says, in light of that, a new command I give you. And I imagine the disciples are probably thinking in their minds, they're going, oh man, we have over 635 commands, Jesus. We are Jewish people and this is the law. Like we've been given the law. You're going to add another one? And Jesus says, yes, I am. But this law that I'm going to give you is a law. This command I'm going to give you is it's going to make all the other ones easy. It's going to make all the other ones easy, and yet it will be one of the hardest things you'll ever do. So he says, a new command I give you, to love one another. But then he flips the, trip, the, flips the script and says, and greater love has no one than this, than a man lay his life down for his friend. Jesus is already foreshadowing the work that he's going to do in this earth, in this world, as he's come, he's already telling them, hey, I am going to actually lay my life down for you. And so as Christians who are following Christ, connected to the vine, we get to, in uh, reflecting Jesus' love, do the same thing. We get to sacrificially love others in the way that Christ has loved us. And beloved, that is a very hard thing to do. Amen. When I talk about my neighbors, right, I have some neighbors on this side that I like really like, like are my friends and we're close and stuff. And I got some neighbors uh, to the left of me that were like, ah, you know, it depends on the day how we, how we, but, but, but at the end of the day, I'm called to love them. At the end of the day, I'm called to reflect Christ to them. Because that's my call. When I abide in Christ, when I am connected to the vine, I get to reflect who Christ is to the world. And a part of my job, a part of my role as a follower of Christ is to reflect the glory of God. Like God in his glory is already glorious enough. Like he doesn't need me to make him more glorious, but he invites us to. Like he invites us to. And so he says it here, and that's the gospel. That greater love has no one than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. And then Jesus calls the disciples his friends. He says, I'm going to lay my life down for you because you are my friends. And he goes on to say in verse 16 of John chapter 15, he says, And you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce fruit. What a blessing. 
to know that our God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ chose us and chooses us and chooses you if you would open yourself up to receive him. In a few weeks, we're going to celebrate the reality that Christ came, that he lived a life that we could not, that he died a death that we did not want to die. But he didn't stay dead, y'all. We're going to celebrate in a couple weeks that he rose from the grave, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is awaiting a day when he's going to come back and make all things new. And I'm just hoping with the balance of my life that I get to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth and not cut off separated because I'm acknowledging that God, the God of heaven has chosen me and chooses you. And beloved, this matters. This idea of abiding in Christ, being connected to the vine and reflecting the love of Christ as branches connected to that vine, it matters. It matters because of what I'm about to say next. And this is my third point. It's this, is that we ought to take heart as we stand to face persecution, because we will be equipped with the Holy Spirit. Take heart. As we stand to face persecution, because we will be equipped with the Holy Spirit. You might be saying, Andre, wait a minute. We've been talking about abiding in the vine. We've been talking about loving others as Christ has loved us. Where in the world do you get persecution? Verse 18. If the world hates you, Understand that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of it. The world hates you. Jesus cuts right to the chase. He's like, I'm telling you all these things because there's this other piece that's coming that's even harder. It's like this text just keeps getting worse and worse. It's like, abide in me, I'm the vine, don't get me cut off. Okay, great. Reflect the love that I have in you. That's awesome. Oh, by the way, the world's going to hate you. What? And you know what? I'm actually not surprised by this text. Because when I look out at the landscape of our world and our culture, isn't it true? That being a follower of Jesus Christ at times can be difficult. Now granted, it is not as hard as it is in many of the close countries overseas and across the world. But it is actually getting a little bit dicey in America these days. At the grocery store, and you're with a friend. They're like, "Oh, so what are you doing this weekend?" I'm going to lunch. Do you like right? Like 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 the like to say that you're a Christian sometimes can be threatening. To say that you love Jesus can be um, disrespectful, right? It can put you at odds with people. The reality for us is that our world and in our day, it's shifting in a place against those of us who are following Jesus. And I'm not surprised by that. Why am I not surprised by that? Because Ephesians 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of spiritual darkness that are waging war in our world today. And there is a sovereign prince of this world, namely the enemy that is opposed to God and his kingdom, that is wanting to devour everything and everyone. So when I look at the headlines of the day, when, when being a Christian seems to get harder and they're kicking Christ out of all the different things, instead of fearing and being afraid, I'm going, yeah, that makes sense. So I need to take heart. That makes sense. This world, this world, friends, this world is not our home. 
We are sojourners and we are exiles. Yes, we can make this life comfortable for us. Yes, we can pursue good things. Yes, we can do all the things that are like, oh, do these things and, and make your life really great. That's fine. But let's not forget that this is not the end game for us. This is not the ultimate goal. Because there is a person, an enemy that wants to wipe this world out. And Jesus wants the disciples to be aware of that. He says, don't be alarmed if the world hates you because it hated me before it hated you. And in, so, in doing so, the world crucified Jesus. They crucified him. And yet, yet he encourages disciples all the more in verse 26 because he says here, when the counselor comes though, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of, the tr of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. You see, friends, we were never meant to do this walk of abiding in Christ, of remaining in the vine, of reflecting Christ's love, his sacrificial love on our own I'm a firm believer that when you profess Christ with your mouth, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, takes residence in your heart and does the work for you. Begins to equip you, begins to strengthen you, begins to prepare you, begins to give you the words to say when someone's coming at you and saying all these things. That, you know, instead of you going back at them, the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 not yet. Just say, bless you, brother. Right? Like, like, like. If we could say, like, like the Christian, like, clap back, it's like, it's like, God bless you, right? But, but the Spirit of God in us equips us for the work ahead. Because remaining in the vine and allowing Christ to prune us is hard. Sacrificially loving people to the point where we put their needs above our own and laying our lives down is hard. Loving people when they're directly opposed to who we are in the gospel as we live our lives out is hard. You cannot do it by yourself. You will crumble. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit and this community, this church, this body of believers, the person sitting to your left or to your right or behind you and in front of you, if they're in Christ, they are with you. They are the people who you get to rely on and lean on and call and invite into your spaces, into your world, and into accountability, and into all the things so that you can live this life out. Beloved, we are called to abide in Christ, reflect the sacrificial love of Christ, because we need to be Christ to an unbelieving world. That is our call. And that unbelieving world that we get to be Christ to, it's not an easy world to be Christ to. And yet that's our call. And it's essential. So what then, what then does abiding in Christ look like? Like what fruit are we to bear in keeping with repentance by abiding in Christ? That's found in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You can turn there if you want to, or you don't have to. I'm trying to turn there, but I can't get there. There it is. But Galatians 5, 22, it's through the Spirit. 
In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, but, but do not grieve the Spirit, but walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So walk in the Spirit. But then he goes, okay, here's all these things if you don't walk by the Spirit, kind of producing your life. And he gives like a whole lot of things that are not super great. But then he says, hey, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. In the 8.30 service, they repeated it after me, and I thought that was wildly fun and appropriate. So I would invite you to do it with me. I'm going to say the word, and you're going to say it after me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I missed one. Faithfulness, thank you. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> That was a fun moment for all of us. It's somewhere in there. Let's try that one more time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's out of order, but it's in there somewhere. And beloved, that list is hard to do on your own. It's hard to bear that fruit on your own, which is why we must First and foremost, remain connected to the vine that is Christ. And as we remain connected to the vine that is Christ, he prunes us and allows us to bear fruit so that we can reflect the love of Jesus Christ. So that as we engage in this world and when the freeze of life comes, we're engaging with neighbors or friends or co-workers who do not love God and do not love us for loving God, we can be Christ to them. So that in the context of community, when, 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 the, when the, like, the storm of life comes in your world or the bad news comes from the doctor or you lose that person that's close to you, you can rely, you can rely on this community. So my hydrangeas come back to that. I'm probably like, what happened to those plants? Some of y'all forgot that I was a gardener and I like plant, planting hydrangeas. So, so uh, the freeze obviously didn't stick around. Thank you, weather. And in about March, things started to like bloom. I actually discovered that I had a whole lot of other plants that were like growing at my house that I didn't know were there. Thank you, previous homeowner. Uh, they are since dead now, though, because I didn't know they were there. Didn't know how to take care of them. But my hydrangeas, I was, I was really invested in those. And so for about a, a period of like two weeks, I kept going outside my house and like looking at them in March to see if like if they survived. And they were sticks every single day. I was like, man, I think I'm going to have to dig these things up. I think they're dead. And I remember going to my office the day before I, I was going to decide to like rip them up. And uh, we had a friend who was staying over at our house uh, looking after uh, our daughter at the time. And she knew how invested I was. And she has a wildly green thumb. Uh, and so uh, as I was at my office like doing some things, I get this text message. And I, I wish I could show you the picture, but I've since then deleted it. But it was a, it was a picture of my hydrangeas with like, the littlest tiny green bud growing off of it. And y'all, you would have you would have thought that I had won the lottery. I was in my office. I was like, "Yes, Lord!" <laughs> and my coworker was like, "What is wrong with you?" I was like, "My hydrangeas, they're alive." And he's like, "You're what?" <laughs> like they're a plant, bro. <laughs> Get your gardening game up, right? And why did the plant survive? It's not. I don't think it's because of me at all. I think it's because the plant was actually connected to a source in the ground. And that source gave it the nutrients it needed to withstand that freeze. 
And now even as I'm about to think about moving to another place, because we're going to be transitioning, as Kyle said, I rolled off staff and I'm moving to a, uh, actually moving to Georgia, I'm considering actually uprooting those plants and taking them with me. <laughs> Just that committed, y'all. <laughs> I might not. Uh, we'll see. But that's the call before us. To remain in the vine. And as we remain in the vine, God's going to take care of us. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for hydrangeas and the, the ability to use them as an illustration that demonstrates just how much care and just how much love you have for us. And so, Father, I pray that we would that we would remain in the vine. And for those of us who are not in the vine, I pray that they would acknowledge that you have chosen them and they would graft themselves into the vine by re receiving you freely and fully and finally. God, you are our rock and you are our redeemer and we love you so very much. We thank you for today. We pray all this in Christ's name. And everyone said, thank you for letting me be with you.